In this episode, we interview Jill Morgan of Purple House Press and talk about her reprinting of the Ralph Moody Little Britches books. Well, we are rerunning that episode today because she is getting ready to launch the Kickstarter for books three and four, The Home Ranch and Mary Emma and Company. So when you listen to this episode, you'll hear some things that are dated and no longer current. But we wanted to share it again because we wanted you to have the story behind the story about Ralph Moody and how and why Jill is reprinting these fantastic books. Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Wednesday's Plumfield in Person. Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft here with Sarah Masaryk, and we're back again with Jill Morgan from Purple House Press. And today we're going to be talking about Ralph Moody and his Little Britches series. And this is a subject that Sarah and I both share a love of. So thank you, Jill, very much for being here with us today and for publishing these books. Well, thanks, Diane. Thanks for having me. And Sarah gets the credit for introducing me to these books way back in 2017, I think it was. I cannot believe that I asked you to print these and you did. (laughs) It's like magic. (laughs) Two weeks ago, we had you on to talk about Leonard Kessler and you talked about being giddy about meeting somebody you had loved since your childhood and to find out that he's just so delightful and so charming. And I feel a little bit like that with regard to this because I don't even remember exactly how somebody pointed me in your direction, but we had been talking in Potato Peel Pie about how desperately we wanted the Ralph Moody books reprinted, at least the first four. We felt like the first four are of a particular value. Mm -hmm. And I reached out to you and you were so kind and enthusiastic and curious. And we talked and you did a little exploring and then like magic, this beautiful, gorgeous copy of Father and I Were Ranchers was printed in stunning hardcovers with like a velvet touch dust jacket, Smithsone bindings. And I thought, finally, one of my favorite authors is being honored in the way that I want my authors to be honored. So I feel like I owe you a debt of gratitude, Jill. Oh, well, I really appreciate it. I'm glad you brought them to my attention. They're such wholesome books. And I wasn't familiar with them. But after I read the first book, I realized I had read it under a different name. It was the movie version of the book that I read when I was probably 10 or 12 years old. So it was just, you know, like, coming home to an old friend. And then I I didn't know that there were more in this series. So I was not familiar with the rest of the series. So Jill, you saw the movie version of this when you were a child and then read the book? I'm not sure. I vaguely remember seeing the movie, but I know I had the movie version. Might've been a scholastic paperback, but I I know it was a paperback with some kind of movie uh, image on the cover. And the, the, the name of the book was different too. Yeah, I think it was Wild Country. Oh, I wonder if I saw that. Was it, Do you think it was Disney? I, it was definitely Disney. And it makes me think that it was in that same time period that they did things like The Incredible Journey. In the 60s. 
when we were kids, we would watch the wonderful world of Disney every Sunday night and be kind of bummed if we had to go to church instead because Disney was on. <laughs> you know, those movies were so good and we didn't know that they were slaughtering books. <laughs> right. I used to watch those too. And, you know, they did slaughter the Mad Scientist Club too for one of those. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't know that they, there was a movie. They completely slaughtered it. It's called something about Strawberry Lake. I think. And they had Burgess Meredith was the main character in it. And the boys weren't, you know, the, the, I think Henry was still in it, but they took the strange sea monster of strawberry Lake and turned that into an hour movie and oh. totally rewrote it. <laughs> oh yeah. That would be a slaughter job for yeah, sure. <laughs> it was because there were no adults in the mad sinus club. That's part of the, um, their appeal for children is that it's just children doing all these brainy things. Right. It's their independence and their, their mm -hmm. subculture that's off on the side and it's totally independent and they have their own. I love that there's this independent um, structure that they have. Right. 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 They have their <laughs> whole club. They have a president, a vice president. Right. You know. And what they say is law. Exactly. <laughs> well, I reviewed Charlie the Lonesome Cougar, the book, because that was one of my favorite scholastic books that I bought when I was little. And it's fun, Jill, that you remember those two. But I didn't. Were a quarter, right? Yeah. When they were a quarter and then they went up to 50 cents. That's what yeah. I was Well, sometimes they were 50 cents if they were bigger books, too. This one's very thin, but I didn't realize they were writing books from the movie scripts also. I just didn't make that connection. That's like Louis L'Amour's How the West Was Won. You know, Louis L'Amour was a prolific author on his own, and I love Lonesome Gods and things like that, but How the West Was Won, it's such a strange thing, and we have a review on that as well. It was book written from the screenplay. The screenplay came first. Oh, okay. Really? Because yeah. I've read so many Louis L'Amour books. My dad had all of them, and I read them in the 70s like the Sackets, the whole yeah. saga of the Sackets. I read all of those, but I didn't realize that he wrote a screenplay and then wrote a book from it. Yeah. So, and how the West was one is fascinating to me because I grew up loving the movie. I thought the movie was just magical, but I really loved the first half of the movie better than the second half. I mm. liked the first two generations rather than the third generation, but Louis L'Amour gets the West right, and he gets the the journey West not as right. It was, <laughs> it's like once you get to the rapids, um, I break it down in my review that it's so funny because he has to put in a little bit more tawdry stuff uh, mm. to make the first part compelling to him, I think. And so while it's definitely not totally chased, as a child, I watched the movie and it all went right over my head. So it was fascinating that Louis L'Amour was commissioned by somebody to write the book to accompany the movie, but after the screenplay had already been done. Wow, that is really interesting. I'm really curious now. I want to see the movie. So now we're <laughs> going to need to have a How the West Was One book club. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess I would just be curious. You know, you said Sarah suggested that book and then and there it was. You know, how did you go about finding out who had them and did you read the book first or just take her word for it or you know how did that work well I had to investigate uh to see who had the book in print because usually when people when, when a publisher has a paperback in print 
that they do themselves, they will not license any other English editions for North America because it would be competing against their profits. Even though they would earn royalties, it would it'd still be competing against their version of the book. Because oftentimes when a paperback is in print with a major publisher, they will not license a smaller press to have a competing hardcover out. And that's because it would compete with their profits. And that makes sense, right? Right. Yes. I mean, they would still earn royalties, but that's a lot smaller. Like they would get 10% royalties from licensing the book. Whereas if they sold their own paperback, they would get you know, like 50%, 45%, something like that. So for years, people have been trying to acquire the Ralph Moody, all the Ralph Moody books, but specifically the Little Britches books in their original hardcovers, because I don't think they were run in hardcovers for very long. And I think there's a fairly limited inventory of those out there. So they're priced astronomically high. And the paperbacks that are printed by Bison Books are absolutely adequate. They do the job and they match. So that's always a nice thing when all the spines match. Mm -hmm. Um, But they are very much just sort of like a a stocky paperback. They don't have any great appeal to collectors. There's nothing wrong with them and they're perfectly good. Mm -hmm. But for those of us who feel that this story is living in our minds and hearts and is informing some of our reading culture or our family culture, we really wanted gorgeous books. You know, we wanted books that looked like the way we feel about them. And so you were able to reach out and get the rights for the hardcover. How did you do that? Well, at first I want to say that this was just a new idea to me to have matching hardcovers all with similar spines um, with like the older vintage covers on them because I had mainly done picture books up until this time. I mean, I, I had done the Mad Sinus Club series and, but I hadn't done that many chapter books. So this was like a new idea for me that people <laughs> wanted pretty hardcovers to sit on their shelves that they could pass down to their children. And I just thought, well, that's a really good idea. You know, hey, I, I should have <laughs> myself. <laughs> so that's why I liked your idea. And then when I investigated who held the rights to this, I saw that it was Bison Books and that they were a University of Nebraska Press, which is completely different than working with a major publisher because they're much smaller. They were, they probably have a closer working relationship with Ralph Moody's family. And, and they just want what's best for the books. So they did not care if there was a competing hardcover out there that was going up against their paperbacks. And that's why they licensed them to me with fairly easily. There was no issues with them. They were just happy. They wow. were they And they liked the idea that it would be like a vintage edition, just going back to the old older days. And so they thought it was a good idea and they gave us permission to do that. Well, this is where you were uniquely positioned to do this. I think that had we approached a bigger press or a press that specializes in modern books, it would not have had the same appeal. I think you intuitively understood, oh, this is a vintage book. We want this to look like a vintage book because that's what you do anyway. You bring back old books. And so you were exactly the right publisher for this. (laughs) Well, thanks. Yes, I wanted our books at, at that time 
my whole goal was to reproduce picture books that were very, very similar to how people remembered them as a child, because I just thought the nostalgia, you know, like why change them? They, you know, I, I wanted to produce them the way people remembered them. And so for the Ralph Moody books, I was looking through all the different versions of the hardcovers because there are several different covers of the first one. Um, there was like the first edition cover and then there was second printing or something and the cover was slightly different or maybe it used a different picture. And then I found a full color picture that I just thought was really attractive and it was um, done. It was used by the People's Book Club, which yeah. was Sears. They used to send out the catalog. It was kind of like, a, I guess, a book club back then, you know, it was like a book in the book of the month or something like that. And they, they recommended books to people and they, they repackaged them with different covers and they sent out literature uh, ahead of time featuring like what books could, that were coming like the following month that people could order. And when I ordered my people's book club edition of this book it came with that little pamphlet in there which was just <laughs> wonderful because I opened it up they had all these things in there about the book and then at the end there was a two-page letter that Ralph Moody wrote on how he came to start writing this whole series when he was 50 and I ended up including that letter, that two-page letter in the back of our edition. Since you know, that's what I like to do. I like to include <laughs> letters to the author. <laughs> and since he was no longer around to do that, well, he left this for me to use is the way I feel like it. <laughs> so I put that in there. And then after that, there was another two-page letter following his um, and it was from his teacher that encouraged him to write he when he was 50 years old he took a class on how to write short stories and this professor encouraged him to start writing down all his childhood memories and and write some short stories and those books eventually became little bridges and i included his professor's letter at the back of man of the family just to give some more background just everything that he included because he knew Ralph Moody personally. It was just another interesting point of view to add to the book, to add value to the people who loved it. And it really did. It was very enriching to find those in there. I'm so grateful you did that. Well, thanks. That's really nice to hear. Yes. <laughs> so now you're going to publish books three and four as well, Home Ranch and Mary Emma and Company. So do you have little letters and fun things to put in those as well? well I, don't, I don't haven't found anything yet, but if anybody knows of something, of some pamphlet that's out there or just something that they know that Ralph Moody wrote, I would love to add those. But we are going to be using the same cover artist for book number three. Um, his name is Algo Stenberry. If I'm, I'm probably butchering his name, but he's the one who did the cover for Little Britches and Man of the Family. And I found a picture of his that, Sarah, you agree with me on this, that matches the theme of Home Ranch. It does. It's gorgeous. Let me ask you so that I'm clear. Little Britches, Father and I Were Ranchers, is you have in hardback, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Man of the Family, is that hardcover or paperback? Yes, they're, they're all matching hardcovers. 
And so then when is the next one coming out? That would be Home Ranch? Well, we plan to do book three and four together. That's Home Ranch and Mary Emma and Company. And we plan to fund them with a Kickstarter because Smice sewn hardcovers with nice dust jackets are very expensive to produce. We want to fund that with the Kickstarter. And we're not exactly sure when that's going to be because there's a worldwide paper shortage right now. And it's just hard to be able to get commitments on um, large orders like this. And then there's also the... The shipping prices are astronomical from Korea to the United States because we've always had our picture books, our color picture books, which are smysung hardcovers with Dutch jackets printed in Korea and shipped here. And I think they do a very good job. So I wanted to use that same printer to do the Little Britches books. And they did do Little Britches and Man of the Family. And they just did, I think they did an exquisite job. So we- They did, they really did. Well, thank you. And they use really thick paper too. It's thicker, much, much thicker paper than you can get here right now. There's a lot of tooth to that paper. It feels really good in the hands when you're turning the pages. Like I I always would tell people when they were on the fence as to whether or not to buy the hardcovers that you might be paying 20 or $25 for the book, but this is a book that will bear many, many readings mm-hmm. and it will rest well on your shelf. You mm-hmm. will be able to pass this one down. This yeah. is not a, a throwaway schoolboy copy. And I also remembered you saying that you took the dust jackets off of books when you read them. I do, yeah. <laughs> and because of that, I decided to use a a picture cover over the boards that was the same as the dust jacket because before I had always used for chapter books like this I had always used like cloth covers so I decided to put the picture cover on there because I knew people like you would take the jack the jacket off <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> and you still want to see the picture I thought so yes yeah. especially since these little britches books are so well done as read aloud and family culture so I'm sitting on the couch and the kids are studying the picture as they're listening so thank mm-hmm. you for that oh well happy to do it <laughs> I really appreciate that because I do love old books and I love beautiful old books but I'm still really torn about the dust jacket thing. But a lot of times when you get an old book, even if it had one, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And if the yeah. picture was just a plain cloth cover, mm-hmm. you don't, you can't, you don't have even a chance of judging the book by its cover underneath as well for when that cover is gone, whether I like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Jill, you're going to release three and four together as a Kickstarter. Part of the goal of the Kickstarter is for collectors to be able to buy all four books together. And right now, though, your inventory on Little Bridges is running dangerously low. Is that right? (laughs) It is. Back when we licensed these two books, we had plenty of Little Bridges in stock. But now with the pandemic and paper shortages... Uh, and postponing the Kickstarter, we're only down to about 150 copies of the book left. So, and I'm pretty sure they're out of stock at places like Amazon and Barnes and Noble because we're no longer filling wholesale orders. There's just no reason to when you have that few books left. And we have, for the time being, we have plenty of Man of the Family 
And then this Kickstarter is going to be the only chance to get my sound versions of book three and four, because after that, I was just going to quit printing the book and buy some books actually told me that they, they would encourage me to do print on demand hardcovers after that so that they can still be out there as hardcovers because I explained to the man who's in charge of their licensing that we were no longer going to be warehousing books. Mm -hmm. So I have their blessing to do the Kickstarter and those will be one set of ISBNs. And then when those are gone, we're going to sell print on demand hardcovers. It'll be the same picture on the cover and it'll be the same pages, but it'll be different paper there will be no dust jacket, you know, so there'll, there'll be different books. This is a good opportunity for us to explain to people kind of what's going on with you in case they didn't hear our interview with you. And if you haven't heard the interview and want to learn more, I encourage you to go back and listen to our interview with Jill Morgan in August of 2022, where we explain all of these things. But let's do a summary here. So Jill, your husband is retiring. And so therefore the warehouse side of your business is being phased out. And so your capacity to print these kinds of books and store them long-term is now coming to an end. That's right. It's unfortunate, but it's just the circle of life that we've been doing this for 22 plus years. And my husband is over 65 and he wants to retire. And he is the one who is in charge of all this shipping, receiving, mailing books, all that. So when you get an order from Purple House Press, <laughs> Jill or her daughter are the ones who probably pulled it off the shelf. But the person who wraps it so nicely, because those books, they come there's no way that they're going to be damaged. Even if a box is damaged, those books come wrapped beautifully, lovingly and packaged just perfectly. That's all Ray. That's Ray. He's the one who um, shrink wraps the books, then bubble wraps them, then puts them in exactly the right size box, pads them with paper, then tapes it together, ships it out. That's all him. Yes. (laughs) And you, you know, it's nice to hear I get a lot of compliments on packing the books and I always pass those on to him. So it's really nice when people (laughs) mention that. So if you're listening to this episode and you want to come over to our Facebook page and leave Ray a message of thanks, (laughs) we will make sure that he sees that. Definitely. Really, there is something to be said for how, how much respect he shows to your product and our investment. Clearly, he loves these books as much as you do and it shows. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out because we want people's books that are new to arrive looking new. We don't (laughs) want them to just be thrown into a box that's too big for them to be rattled around and have bumped corners and, you know, horrible looking spines when they get to our customers. Unlike other sellers, we won't mention because they don't need the attention, but we all know what we're talking about. (laughs) So your capacity to warehouse books is coming to an end. But praise God, you're staying in business. So you're going to continue to make books and you're moving your business into print on demand. Yes. So there is a difference in the way print on demand books are printed. And that's why the Little Britches books are kind of caught in the middle of your transition. Is that a fair assessment? Yes. That's why we're holding the Kickstarter to fund a certain number of books. And we're only going to print that number. And they will 
look like the they will match the two little britches books that are already out there. They'll have round backs. The spines will be rounded. Um, they will have the same paper thickness that the other two books have. They will have the same dust, same type of dust jackets. And most importantly, the binding will be called, will be smithstone, which is when they take sections of books, usually like 16 to 32 pages, and they sew them together along the spine. And then they gather all of those sections together and then they sew them together again. And then that is glued into the book with the end pages, holding that in there. And this and is why if you have this book on your shelf for 25 years, it's not going to start dropping pages. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the print on demand books will have the same cover pictures, but they will have what's called a square back. The spine will just be flat ah. in a picture book and we'll use the nicest paper that we, that we'll have access to and the pages will be printed and they'll all be glued together and then glued to the book. That's marvelous. Thank you for letting us know that. I love the little britches books, but for some reason have never bought the set mostly because I didn't discover them until after my kids were grown. <laughs> What is the best way for me to make sure that I get a matching set, you know, including the Kickstarter and the two that you already have? The best way to be guaranteed of our original edition of Little Bridges is to buy one now. We only have about 150 copies left. It, it'll probably be about $30 to have that book reprinted again, because back in 2017, it was 2095, but we bought a lot of them. So just doing like a small custom order is probably going to push the price of the book up to about $30. So I should buy the first one and then wait for the Kickstarter for two, three, four. Yes. That's one okay. way you could do it. Or you can, okay. you can get one and two now and you can get three and four later, or you can get two, three and four later. I am so convicted of the quality of these books that I bought one and two for each of my children and for myself. So in our home, we have four copies and then I bought them for godchildren as well, because oh. so these are very much limited edition <laughs> and my children, my little guy was really even too young for them, but I didn't care. I just knew that they needed to be on his shelf long-term. So I would just encourage Thank people. Thank you for doing that. Oh, it's our pleasure. I mean, people need to know, right? We wanted the whole reason why these books exist in this format is because we passionately wanted people to have access to this and you made that happen. So now I'm just going to make sure that people know this is your okay. chance. <laughs> yes, and it really is a limited edition because the first two books, I printed 3000 copies of each one. So my math then is you, you've sold over 2,800 copies of Father and yes. I Were Ranchers. Mm -hmm. Pretty popular book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty fantastic book. <laughs> yeah. And I think we sold about 2000 copies of the end of the family. I mean, that's not shabby either. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> that's a testament to <laughs> the quality of the writing and that they've, they've never been out of print. Have they? I don't it, think so. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a, just a tangential question, but the Ark and Rowan farm where they they're printed exactly the same way, right? Yeah, same printer, same quality, everything, same paper, same dust jackets. Are they also on their way out then in this yes. format? 
Yes, and they were, I printed 3,000 of each of those also. And those were funded with a Kickstarter too, because I was already in the process of switching over to paperbacks. So this Kickstarter method though, this is this proving to be good for you? Is this something you'll do in the future for other books, do you think? Um, probably in the near future, within maybe the next two years. And then after that, probably not because we fulfill those books ourselves, which means Ray is the one shipping them out. Uh, so if there are other books, we really, really want you to print. <laughs> It's got to happen now. In the next two years. <laughs> okay, I'm getting my list ready. <laughs> Jill, thank you so much for being here today. I'm excited about these books coming out, and I appreciate you giving us a heads up. So thank you for your time today. Oh, it's my pleasure, and thank you for having me here. It's always fun to talk about good books. 